Hi, a very warm welcome to the Unshakable Resilience Podcast Leadership Series. I'm your host, Krishna Ruparelia, and I'm so deeply honored to have you here today. In this show and community, you will find transformational insights into the strategies adopted by influential leaders in how they are cultivating leadership agility to survive and thrive in the new normal. Stay tuned to discover what leaders are doing in navigating change with a particular focus on well-being and resilience. Today, my guest is Emma Melrose. Em has over 25 years of experience in senior management and executive post across a broad range of industries in the private and public sector. M helps organizations increase business performance by understanding and channeling the power within its people. Now, I've known M for a very long time, and one of the natural skills and abilities that she has is her ability to create such safety amongst the people that she's interacting with. So we're going to be talking about employee engagement, how to connect with each other so that people feel heard, listened to, and deeply valued. Stay tuned. So welcome, Em. Thank you for coming to my show. How are you? Oh, Krish, that was so kind of you. Thank you. I'm really, really well. And I am so thrilled to be here having this time with you because you are equally a treasure to be found for certain. Thank you. Thank you so much for your kindness. So Em, share with the listeners today a little bit about who you are, and what your why is. Okay, so had you have asked me that probably 10 years ago, I would have said my why is about driving teams, leadership, making a difference in the corporate world. And now if I roll forward 10 years, my why is really quite different. My why is about showing up and being the change that I want to see in the world. My journey over the last three years has been really challenging. My husband was diagnosed with throat cancer in January of 2019, and then my father with pancreatic cancer in the June. He died in the September, and then my mum, who was suffering with a long-term liver challenge, she died in the December. So 2019 was a really, really challenging year. We knew that Don's diagnosis was terminal, but we didn't call it terminal. It was incurable, and it was all about containment treatment, right? And I'm telling you this because what has happened to me in those last three years is to get really clear on what's important to me, to be really clear about what makes my heart sing, how I can be grateful for life, grateful for the opportunities, grateful for the lessons that hardship and trauma brings us. And now my why is about showing up and being the change that I want to see in the world. That for me is what it's about. I've got two amazing daughters. My why is about enabling them to experience the life at a young age in the way that they want to, to not feel that they've got to follow what everybody else does, that they can create their own paths. They've brought some interesting challenges alone, boyfriends and you know, identifying their sexuality and mental health issues all in the last three years. So I feel that all of these experiences enable me to really show up in the world in the way that I can 
maybe help people to discover what matters to them. My traumas, my issues, my stuff is no better or worse, bigger or smaller than anybody else's. Situations happen to us in life. That's a reality. You know, we get the yin and the yang, we get the good and the bad, but we've all got a choice about how we respond to those situations. And again, for my why, well, why allow myself to be disappointed by the next chapter? Why not explore and challenge myself to live the best life that I can and be that beacon of light for people to see that we, we can all do it, right? I'm, no, I'm not magical. I'm not brilliant. I'm just aligned now with what I need to do to keep an open heart. Wow. You said a lot there. <laughs> I'm going to unpack that. Um, firstly, I want to acknowledge and share my deepest condolences. I've seen you through that journey at a distance yeah. and gone through some level of witnessing how much of resilience and strength that you have shown yeah. to your family in such, such trying times. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about resilience, it's more than just about bouncing back and it comes to your mindset. So can you please share with the listeners what has helped you to make that shift from feeling like, why is this happening to me to how can I be grateful for it? Yeah, great question. So I remember the day when we found out that we needed to tell people that Don's cancer was was here and I remember his mum saying why us and Don and I did a long conversation about it and 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 we both said well why not us because the reality of it is that one in two people in their lifetime are going to experience cancer and we made a decision from that point that we were going to walk with it we were going to acknowledge it we were going to learn from it and so the ability to tune into what we have in this present moment now now is all we have right this moment right here right now the past has brought us to the point with knowledge and experience and the future we have we're yet to write and so the ability for me to and for Don and I to walk the path and for the girls who were what 12 and 15 at the time very young you know hormones and all of that stuff going on The important bit for us was keep it real. We're no different to anybody else, but our values, you know, the deep love that we had for each other, the the appreciation that we had for each other, the respect that we have for each other, the, the choice that we were making to walk with each other, to be honest about how we were feeling. And that was freaking tough at times. I mean, to be really honest with how we were feeling Don's fears and my fears being very different but having the courage being prepared to be vulnerable to say how we were feeling made a difference and I think that for me the resilience is not about you know we talk about bouncing back and we talk about you know get back on the horse well actually for us it was about steady it was about staying grounded it was about keeping it real I remember one friend said to me about bucket lists and doing all this stuff. I'm like, it's not about that, you know. We're carrying on to live. We don't know how long Don had to live, right? So if I'm waiting every day, waking up to go, let's go in, you know, do with this or let's do with that or all of these things, 
that's not real. And I think if we bring that back into the context of business and life as well, let's keep it real. Let's show up and focus on what we can do today to make the difference in the people that we're leading, the customers that we're serving, the teams that we're engaging with, the colleagues that we're connecting with. Let's keep it real. Tomorrow's not written. Yesterday's experience doesn't have to prove that that's what's going to happen today in this situation. Em, you've shared so much. Firstly, it's very easy to say that we're going to keep it very real. This is happening. We're no different to anybody else. But then there's also our heart, Mm. right? So it's the head versus the heart. Yeah. And the head is very logical. Okay, this has happened. What does this mean from a practical perspective? Yeah. And then this is your family who has seen sides of you that nobody else knows. Yeah. And it's the father of your children, but it also has so many other implications as well. So how do you reason with your heart to come into acceptance? Yeah. Okay. So so there's two really interesting things here to, to, to share with you first of all about um, how Don and I walk the journey. So his career was a mechanical engineer, right? So very logical, skeptical, all through his every single consultancy meeting, we would go with copious notes. We had the medical plan. You know, if he forgot something, I was there. We were able to. It was a real team effort. Right. And I am very heart centered. I'm very people orientated. Don's style is a thinker, right? He's logical. And I'm at the complete other end of the scale, right? So I am all about the feelings. How, how does this feel for me? Um, how does this feel for you? And what was a golden jewel for me was having an appreciation of our respective behavioral styles. And so, as you know, I'm a DISC, a DISC associate. I use DISC as a, as a tool. And so a little while or earlier, um, he and I had taken our DISC profiles. When we put the two together, we could see how different we were. So when we got the diagnosis, I was like, right, I'm going to call the troops in and we're going to have, we need support around us. And and he went, why are you doing that? Why are you telling people this is about logic? This is about data. And so understanding each other's styles meant that we could recenter ourselves to what mattered to each other. Roll forward three months and we find out that my dad's got pancreatic cancer. He's not got long to live. Blinking out. What did Don do? Don went out and connected with all of the people that I cared about and said, hey, Em's going to need your support. Every interview, every appointment that we went to the consultant afterwards for Don, I would leave him to send a message of communication out to give the update because I recognised that he needed to approach it in his way. And so whilst we see and we often talk about tools as being very business orientated, for me, having an appreciation of what was important to him, control was important to him, data was important to him, that enabled me, because I understood that, to adapt my style to meet his needs. And I just think what a phenomenal gift to be able to have as two individuals that were navigating through this 
challenging situation, it helped me when I was having conversations with the consultants. I knew that I needed to be more logical. I knew that there were times when actually it was good to allow our emotions to flow. But the beauty of it and the fact that we were able to walk through it was that we tuned into what mattered to us. For me, that was very much about how I was feeling. And for Don, you know, it was about appreciating that control was important. Did he know everything that he could that was important to him? And that stacked up. He's a business coach, right? So he knew his wealth of knowledge, his approach to things was phenomenal. And he and I had intended, my heart was telling me it was the right thing to do. He and I were going to create our business together because we recognized that we complemented each other and we brought what would be great for business. And I've made the decision now that I'm continuing to keep our business growing and alive. And I will collaborate with other people who can enrich what I can offer. And so the name of our company now, Business Growth Mentors, brings so much relevance because it's about working with people to make stuff happen. So we don't know it at the time why we're on this path. The sadness, the trauma, all of that happens. But the beauty of being able to go, how can I now use that and bring it to life for others to gain insight from? Um, for the listeners, can you share what the DISC tool is? Yeah, yeah. OK, so there are gazillions of behavioural profiling tools out there, right? We know that, Krish, don't we? And I don't know about you, but I've had so many conversations with people in the past. We go, oh, yeah, I've done one of those. I've done this. I've done that. I've done the other. And they have, right? I'm sure they have. The thing for me is that DISC is a tool for dialogue. It's a really simple tool. And anybody has the ability to learn how to use it. What DISC is, is we recognize that there are four behavioral styles. We're a blend of all four styles. But we will have a preference. I call it the home base, right? My comfort zone, the place that I most like to operate from. So as I was saying to you, I'm very much feelings focused. I'm very much on engaged and people really matter to me. And then there's other people where task really matters to them. So that's one of the orientations. Are you more people focused or are you more task focused? The other orientation that we understand is about pace. So are you out there? Are you fast paced? Are you, you know, running at 50 miles an hour? Are you go, go, go. What to do, what to do. What's the next thing? Moving on to the next thing. Or do you appreciate a steadier pace? You know, is it about reflection? Is it about just taking that moment to think about where you're going? You're a steadier pace. It doesn't mean to say that you don't get things done. What do they say? There's a saying, less haste. No, more, less, less haste, more speed. I always get my sayings wrong. I can kill two stones with one bit. I always get them wrong, but I don't care because it, it's the uniqueness of who we are. So we're a blend of all four styles, but we will have a preference. So if we're fast paced and task orientated, we're typically a doer as we describe them. If we're fast paced and people orientated, we're an influencer. If we're steady paced and people orientated, best described as a supporter and then our steady paced task orientated people are the considerers so language that I think is really easy to understand and as I say we're a blend of all four styles and what the disc by appreciating our 
behavioral style, it enables us then to a understand ourselves. But if we can then understand what others' behavioral preferences are, we're in a position to adapt. And that's what Don and I did. You know, we recognized that we needed something different from each other and it enabled us then to both move closer to get that balance right. So, yes, I'm a big fan of DISC and I also have used other psychometric profiles. But what I love about DISC is the simplicity of it. It's very practical to use and apply. And it gives me an understanding of my own preferred style, as well as understanding how the other person I'm speaking to communicates. And it really helps me to build that trust and connectivity with that person. This then helps people to build their communication skills, which is an important skill in leadership and engagement. A lot of my clients complain that their challenges are people (laughs) and it's communication. In fact, I even have friends who complain that it's the communication of my spouse. So I love what you've shared earlier, that what you've done with Don and yourself is understood each other's preferred styles, but then adapted. And that's where agility comes in, whether we talk about it in the work context or whether we talk about it in the home context. So I particularly love DISC because of those reasons. It's so practical. It's so easy to use. And the fact that only 11% of people are engaged at work we need to do a lot more. Line managers need to do a lot more to create connectivity. You're absolutely right. I love the simplicity of this. You know, here we are. Very simply, we can explain it and we can, oh, it's that. Then we start to tune into the words that people are using, the, the speed that they speak at, the when you hear You can hear in somebody's voice what matters to them because you hear the light in their voice, right? You hear the excitement when somebody's like, I'm going to get on and I want to get that result or the curiosity of data. And I think what is really important to acknowledge about the tool is that it is simply that it is a tool. It is a mechanism to create dialogue. But as human beings, we are all responsible for the choices that we make as to whether we want to put the effort into building a relationship with someone. So it's not a silver bullet. You know, I think the other danger is with all psychometric testing, we go, well, you're that. And therefore, it's not an excuse for poor behavior. It's not an excuse to label ourselves and go, well, because I'm this, therefore, what I think it does is it offers us the opportunity and the insight to say, If I want to build a great relationship with that person, what do I need to do and how much energy, how agile do I want to be, as you rightly say, to create a connection with that person? Because it goes back to what we said right at the beginning here about our why. What is driving you in your life? What is important to you? If time is the one gift that we all have, which is unrefundable, how are you challenging it? How are you using it? And so every opportunity that there is to create a phenomenal relationship with somebody is another gift that we have. But like anything, the only one that can do that is you, you the individual. I have no influence on how you feel about me. What I can do is have an impact on how they receive me. And that for me is a gift alone. So. DISC, I think, is a 
phenomenal tool to enable me to create brilliant relationships with people. Absolutely. What I'm hearing from you, Em, is that it's all about rejoicing and difference. And I think as human beings, we struggle with that. You see, I like you and you like me because there is a commonality. But when people are different to me and their approach is different, especially having my own business, yeah, their approach to work is very different. I'm a typical D style. I want to get things done yesterday. And I work with very detailed individuals and I have to be agile to understand their approach to work. Like you, Em, DISC has helped me significantly to manoeuvre and navigate through relationships where we get a win-win. At the same time, my clients report stress and when there are differences in relationships, it gives rise to potential conflict, which causes a lot of stress and strain. My clients report this time and time again. And this is why I'm a huge fan of DISC and I use it in the Unshakable Resilience Programme to really help line managers and leaders create a level of connectivity and a dialogue where people yeah. can understand their own style. So it brings a level of self-awareness, but at the same time, it also creates that commonality of what makes you tick and what drives you in your approach to work we've all got a contribution to bring we are all unique we're a blend of all four styles but there's going to be something that just gets us at our hearts you know it really centers us that's what's really important to us and if I can acknowledge that in you that data or you know getting a result is really important to you I want to get results too but the approach that we take to it is just going to be different and if we can allow each other to show up in our truest form without having to hold back but embrace it you know you talked about tension right if I know what stresses you and you know what stresses me doesn't mean to say that we're going to make it go away but at least we can acknowledge it and we can identify the things that trigger us and we're in a position to take responsibility to work on it if we want to have a great relationship within this team, if we want to acknowledge and embrace each other's differences and we're prepared to know that that's going to trigger that person, is that the best task? Give a high eye, creator, a set of spreadsheets to work through. Are they going to be motivated? Are they going to be energized? No, their stress levels are going to probably go through the roof. Give it to the C and they're going to be, you know, having the best day of their life. That's what this is about this is where we can use these tools then we create the difference then we get into a place of high performance but it's about allowing ourselves to be self-aware to be vulnerable and that for me is where the tool really comes to life and I know it's what you do with your clients right Chris it's about how do we bring it to life some people want something which is more complicated and, and I like to keep things simple because for me, I'm action orientated, even though my, my preference is I'm very much in that people space. But achieving results through people, connecting through people, because that's what makes my heart sing. Right. And I think that's the bit which when we work in flow, when we're doing something that we're passionate about, when we 
we have the capacity to show up. You know, the great resignation, critically, people want to feel a sense of feeling valued, a sense of belonging. Well, irrespective of your behavioral style, part of that is that sense of belonging is because you can show up and you can be who you are. And I value who you are. And I'm going to offer you constructive feedback because I want you to be the best that you can be. And I want to support you, but only you can make the decision as to how you want to show up every day, how you want to build your relationships with people, how determined you are to do your, you know, couch to 5K, how determined you are to achieve that qualification. Only you can do that. But what we can do is through self-awareness, if we understand ourselves first, and we're prepared to be really comfortable with who we are and own it, you know, and put our hand up and go, do you know what? I'm really rubbish at that. I love, I ran a technical support center with 600 people. And now as a business owner, I, um, they knew how to fix stuff, right? I don't. Don was the fixer. He's not here anymore. I'm like, damn, Don, what do I need to do? Well, I could spend hours and hours and hours trying to do that. But that's not my behavioral preference. It's not something that interests me. I'm going to now go and find an IT man that can do it because he loves it and he does it in half the time. So I'm way more productive doing the things that I'm good at doing because I understand me than trying to do stuff that I'm not and getting caught up in that. And how many times have you seen it, Chris, where we do, we try and force people to get better at something that they're perhaps not good at or they could be good at it, but they don't want to come running with me, come do this with me. They've got no interest. Are they going to put their time, energy and effort into it? No, it's the same in business, right? Find the things that make our hearts sing. Find the things that we're motivated, the, the things that fuel us. And boom, you go from having people who are mediocre to truly performing. DISC is a phenomenal tool. I've seen it happening in teams where they go, oh my gosh, if we moved, that person into that role based on this wow we could make a real difference I've seen organization structures change because we don't have the luxury of going and finding another person but we go well if we made that change that could make a real difference to our team performance and boom the individual who was underperforming perhaps or struggling suddenly now is shining and that's the choice that we have but we've got to invest in understanding ourselves Absolutely. Um, you mentioned the topic around connectivity, belongingness. Now, this is a big topic, which I feel is very relevant in the world of work right now. When we look at the hybrid setting, yeah. many people are going back into the office, many are working from home. For line managers, it's become extremely hard to create connectivity. Mm. At the same time, sometimes cultures in organizations don't necessarily operate where you can bring all of yourself into the world of work, share your vulnerabilities, share your fear. Can you speak about that? My observations through, through the pandemic are that individuals have taken that time out to think about what's important to them. They've had losses. You know, we, we all had to deal with people who caught COVID, the fear of that, you know, the media and all of the influences of those situations. And then going back to work, not going back to work, you know, hybrid working, working from home, all of those things. Each of the behavioral styles, interestingly, behaved very differently 
through COVID. So the sea stars were really happy, right? The, the considerers were dead happy because they were, they liked their own space and just wanted to be by themselves. The D's just got on with it, right? The doers, I guess you just got on with it, right? Look, here it is. This is what I've been dealt with. Let's just make, make of it what we will. But the people focused, centered, so the, the influencers and the supporters really struggled. And so the networking, the connectivity, what I observed is that those organizations that put the energy and effort in quickly to stay engaged with their people, not what are you up to, what are you doing? I mean, I'm going to say there were organizations that were putting trackers on people's computers to understand how active they were. And then people were getting devices on their phones to move their mouses so that it looked like they were busy. So if that's the mindset that's going on in the organization, in the people, that's not about the pandemic. That's a bigger point about the culture that there is in organizations. So I think what's happened is that for some who perhaps have put up with, who haven't been congruent to what's important to them and living authentically have said, I don't want this anymore. And even if it means less salary, even if it means doing a job which is different, my values are more important to me. And so the expectation that employers have that it's, you know, best salaries or best workplace in terms of the physical environment, people need different things now. And employees are having a voice that perhaps they have suppressed before. And so what I've seen work really well is humility of leaders, is vulnerability of leaders. Look, the pandemic happened. Everybody was suddenly in exactly the same situation. Nobody knew, right? Nobody knew what way was up. But those leaders who said, hey, I don't know what's going to happen, but we'll work through this together. Those that said, I don't have the answers. How can we? Are the ones that are thriving. Those that it was all about the money. It was all about the bottom line. It was all about cut, cut, cut. It was all about disconnection. People being sent off on furlough. The divide between those on furlough and those staying in the office, those that had to go into the office and those that could work from home or those that their working environment meant that they needed to go in. All of this stuff, are it goes beyond our behavioural style. It's our values and our belief systems. And those organisations that take the time out to listen, deeply listen, beyond active listening, deeply listen to what matters to that person are the organizations that are thriving, that have got a great reputation. You've only got to look at the best workplaces. There are a load, I was looking at it the other day, a load of new organizations that have come onto that list. If there was one bit of advice I would give to a leader today, it's to get brilliant at asking questions and then using silence. Allowing the space for the individual to respond, not with their first answer, because that would be what they think they want you to hear, but creating that space for somebody to know that they can say what they want to say. Em, for a lot of leaders out there, creating that space where leaders are able to show their humility and vulnerability can be a challenge, especially if they're not used to it, right? What advice do you have on what vulnerability could look like in a conversation? Let's be real about it, right? I walked around for many years of my life being a people pleaser. 
I, I, I walked around sacrificing my own voice when I was in environments where I felt like I needed to be something different. So one of the things I personally needed to do was to recognise the culture that was right for me. So that's about listening to ourselves. That's about saying, well, what is important to me? Taking that time out for personal exploration, be that journaling, be that getting out for a walk in nature, doing something that just takes you away from your day-to-day doing. Go, what really matters to me? What do I really care about? Because when we can truly connect with our values, they are huge for us in terms of guiding us in terms of our direction in life. My values have always been important. I've left organizations because I just felt out of kilter. I've left teams because I've just felt like I can't be me. Now, that was a courageous thing to do because I didn't know where I was going next, but I trusted and I had the respect for myself to go, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be the bully. I don't want to be part of the gossip gang. I don't want to put people down. I want to lift people up. I don't want to have to jump over you to go, oh, ooh, look at me, I'm brilliant. I'm not sure that there is an answer as to what it, what, what does courage, what does vulnerability look like? What is what it feels like for me? It feels like when I put my head on my pillow at night and when I get up with, you know, bad hair and, you know, not looking the best in the morning, that I can look in the mirror and go, I'm showing up with love in my heart. And that, that even if you've been an absolute pig to me, I can choose my own response. Being vulnerable is about choosing our responses and Being vulnerable for me is about allowing myself to accept that not everybody's going to like me, not everybody's going to agree with me. But at the end of the day, what I have learned over the last three years and even in the last six months since Don's passed more so, the only person that I am wholeheartedly responsible for is me. And if I want to have a really fulfilled life, The way that I do that is by being true to me. And that's the message that I say to my kids. Both of them are at different stages. We have GCSE A-level time right now. One of them's decided she's not going to go to university. She's going to take a year out. She doesn't know what she wants to do. That's fine. You know, make the choices, support each other. You know, just because it works for me, it might not work for you. Hence that ability to listen create that safe space for somebody to listen vulnerability for me is about not having to have the answers the leaders who can say I don't know right I don't know what the answer is but let's work through it together that's vulnerability leaders had the opportunity during COVID right in the first wave they had I think you know we could forgive them for anything we could be forgiven for anything because it was it was challenged right so lockdown one lockdown two If I got it wrong, if I can have acknowledged and learned from it, I can go, do you know what? I got it wrong that time, but this time we're going to learn from it. When we got into lockdown three, there were a lot of people who disconnected with their organisations, disconnected with their leaders because they'd had turns of the wheel to get it right and they were still getting it wrong. So we've got an opportunity. Being vulnerable isn't a bad thing. It's the most 
beautiful, courageous thing in the world because we're just going, I don't have the answer. Help me. The best lessons I've learned in life is when I've asked somebody for help. Finding the right person to help you, of course. (laughs) But it's beautiful. But we can't grow. We can't flourish if we're battling with all of this stuff inside. If we don't know what our stresses are, if we don't know what our energizers are, if we don't know what makes our heart sing. So it starts with us. Thank you, Em. Thank you for sharing what I'm hearing from you. See, when I think about connectivity, there's three questions that often go into my mind that whenever I connect with anybody, whether it's a client, whether it's people in my team or somebody I'm collaborating, whoever it is, even people in my family, there are three things that I give them as a gift or I try. I sometimes fail. I put my hand up. But Everybody on this planet wants to be heard. Yes. They want to be listened to. Yes. And they want to feel valued. Yes. And I think those three questions, how can I create an environment where people are truly heard? How can I create an environment where people truly feel listened, going back to what you mentioned earlier? And how can I create an environment where people feel valued for who they are, what they bring? Because ultimately, business is about people, Hmm. right? Leaders are not sitting in an ivory tower. Without people, we do not have a business. So right. So that is the bottom line. And I think it, it goes back to that. And the only way that people can feel appreciated and listened to is by being present. And it goes back to how present are we? Now, my work, a lot of times... I'm working with leaders who are very distracted, highly anxious, heading towards burnout, and it's killing the focus, the productivity in the organization. It's killing the business. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be that way. No, no. And being present takes, it takes effort, have some quiet time to recognize that that's what we need. I think, you know, both of us know the value of meditation. We know the value of mindfulness. We know the value of quietening our minds. I firmly believe that as businesses grow, as we evolve as human beings, there is a shift to the way with which we are connecting and engaging with with each other. Yeah, I find it fascinating that we have mental health you know we've got our first aiders and now there's all this press for you know mental health first aiders a mental health first aider what does that mean you know I don't need to fix my mental health I need to nurture it you know I can't put a plaster on I just think that you know mental health first aiders just the the language in itself says to me there's something wrong how about we were just able to appreciate each other create the space in teams just to not feel that we've always got to talk about business and something what about if we got to know that you are so passionate about your dog you love it so much that the the joy that you have about meeting new people the joy that you have about going to the gym and your wellness what about if I knew Krish and so 
in investing in knowing Chris, you feel like a sense of belonging. And so when you've screwed up on something, you go, Em, do you know what? I screwed up, but this is what I've done about it. But you felt you could be vulnerable. You felt it was okay to get it wrong. And that for me is where, back to what you've said, people are business. Mm. Be that your customers, be that the teams, be that those that you're managing upwards. We are all people. So let's understand people. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Em, for your inspiration, your vulnerability, bringing your whole self to this beautiful conversation. It's been a privilege to have you on my show. Where can people find you, Em? The best place to find me is on LinkedIn or Facebook. That's the way to connect with me, you know, Em Melrose. Thank you. It's been a privilege. If you have found this podcast valuable, be sure to share it with someone in your network who may benefit too. For more information, please visit www.unshakableresilience.co.uk.